Happy birthday, Carmen! Yay! This week we're doing something a little bit different, um, because we wanted to do a birthday special, as we do with most major holidays so far, and many of you have come to realize now through listening to the, to the podcast that Carmen and I are very close friends. So much, so much. In fact, we were actually born in the same week, <laughs> we, we, and possibly in the same hospital. <laughs> woo-hoo. Oh my God! Yeah, we probably would have been. No, there's no way that we would have been in the same hospital like at the same time because we were born like within the same week. How long do you stay in the it's, hospital? It's plausible if you had stayed there a little bit longer. Because I was like, a C-section. Oh, were you? Yeah. Oh, then isn't it's actually entirely possible we were actually in the same hospital at the same time, but that's unconfirmed. But and anyway, technically, I'm older than Manny, which honestly doesn't. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, for people who are new, uh, good evening. This is San Jose, the podcast where we discuss hauntings, urban legends, and everything spooky yuki regarding San Jose. And it's a me, a Carmen Sanchez. <laughs> and my name is Manuel Amalos. Are you serious? You're not going to do it. It's our birthday. I find the contrast more funny. Boo. <laughs> well, um, anyway, as we said, this week we're doing things a little differently. Instead of us picking the topics that we wanted to discuss for the week, we decided to give you guys a little gift and cover the topics that have been requested via DMs on Instagram or comments on Facebook um, or, like, people that send in audio messages in through our podcast website or um, basically people have just asked us to cover certain topics and we're going to be talking about some of those today. So uh, stay tuned. We'll go through a couple of smaller topics And hopefully you find them spooky. We have an important update. So we got a really interesting email from this man named Carlos. And, um, well, it's Carlos from Pod Status. And he emailed us stating that we are rated 228 on Apple Podcast History category. So it is kind of a stretch. I understand that. I mean, history, you know... It could range, but and but we're on the board, and in the low two hundred. So I thought it was worth the mention. So thanks, um, Carlos from Pod Status for getting up, uh, reaching out to us about that. Um, we're super hype. Um, thanks for you guys, listeners. This is another reason why we decided to you know um, do the layout this way this week because uh, we have gotten quite a few emails about you know personal stories as well as locations that not too many people knew about that could possibly be haunted so with that let's begin so the first location that we're gonna uh, cover this week is Almaden Winery Park. So this park is right next to Vineland Library, submitted by Sarah L. And she wrote to us, There's a park near my house that my children have always thought is haunted. 
It is a small, out-of-the-way place that no one has ever thought to investigate that I could find. But the history is actually very interesting and worth talking about. I have found one story of a tragic death on the land that is now the park. There are the ruins of a historically important winery there that was the only one legally allowed to stay open during Prohibition, so there must be some stories there. The two ancient pepper trees that shade a playground now were once the driveway markers of an old estate where a man was run down and trampled by his own horses. So just maybe my children are right that it is haunted. It's a historic landmark, perhaps you could dig up more. So thank you, Sarah. Um, I had no idea uh, about these, this story, so thank you for making our job a little easier. With uh, So listeners, if you have a lead, go ahead and please send it in. We'll definitely uh, be able to do another special sometime in the future on smaller topics like this. So please email us at sanhontse at gmail.com. Um, so a little more information that I found about this park is um, Almaden Winery Park is located at Chamberton Drive and Treviso Avenue in San Jose, California, and the zip code is 95002. So if you want to go ahead and travel to this park, you know, it looked really nice on the Yelp reviews. So. Did you realize it's like only a couple blocks away from our high school? Um, yeah, I had no idea <laughs> about this park. Um, we would only walk as far as the the Starbucks and then turn back to school. <laughs> uh, True. Another cool thing that Sarah did for us was she included a link where there's most of the information regarding the history of the park. So this information is from the Friends of Winemakers, which is a group that was established in 1975 whose main goal was aimed at preserving the art and history of winemaking in the Santa Clara Valley. Um, this is also quoted from the website. Sadly, much of that history is lost, as urban development has taken over what used to be vineyards and orchards. So that's a little depressing, but it's okay because we still have a bunch of wineries up in Sonoma. So, <laughs> I also found on Wikipedia that this winery apparently is the oldest in California, being established in 1852. No way! Yeah. Technically, they still exist under the name Almaden Vineyards, but they're no longer located in Almaden. They're actually now in Escalon and Madeira, California. Um, and this winery was originally established by Etienne Te. I'm, I'm not sure how you say that. T-H-E-E. Uh, it's French. And he, brought, he actually brought vines over to San Jose from France. He named the winery after the Quicksilver Mines, which, um, you know, you might be familiar with if you've been to the park. Um, and there, they developed a white Grenache rosé, which was the first rosé to become popular in the U.S. I thought you would like to know that, Carmen. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we should, wait, is it, can we still get some? Or is that a no-go? So, it's not listed on their wine like their list of wines on their website um but they do have a moscato i think you're a fan of moscato no i'm not it's too sweet i can't do it oh 
Oh my gosh! Whoops. Wait, but I just found the cutest thing right now. Oh my god. Here, hold on. Let me send it to you. Okay, so look up... Okay, so I just posted on the dock uh, this really cute little poster. And it's so adorable, but it also has a description on the poster of the Almaden Grenache Rosé. So let me go ahead and read this because it's so cute, the poster. Um, it's like super vintage and there's cute little animals on there and some nice uh, grapevines. So it says, Almaden Grenache Rosé. This delightful pink or rosé wine, fresh and fragrant as a spring garden, was the first vin rosé to be produced in commercial quantities in the country and is now the most popular such wine. Dry yet fruity, light attractive, it goes well with almost any dish. It should be served very cold. The Grenache grape is widely grown in Europe, especially in southern France, where it yields the celebrated vin rosé of Tavelle. Considered the best of all grapes for rosé, it gives the cooler districts of California wine as good as any rosé in the world. The rolling vineyards where these grapes are grown are in the sunny, cool region near San Francisco Bay, recognized over a hundred years as the leading fine wine country of the United States. I'm like, okay, where do I buy this? Four bottles. It's just to add, though. No, I, I, I'm on the website now. <laughs> Where it says our wines, but it's they're only selling two, but it makes sense. I mean, first of all, the fires that happened earlier last year and or later the previous year, and then on top of that, um, and COVID. I mean, I can't imagine how that's been uh, the the wine making business has been affected by COVID. Apart from their white Grenache rosé, they also made a line of wines made from grapes that were grown in the San Joaquin Valley. And they bottled these in tear-shaped bottles, which um, actually set a trend and became really popular throughout North America. So even though they weren't a huge winery, um, at least not by today's standards, like they were setting trends and making some pretty notable milestones in North American wines. Though Sarah did write in that somebody, the original owner of the winery, was ran over uh, by or trampled over by his own horses and passed away that way um, we were unable to find anything else uh, on the history so I'm not saying she's wrong it's just that she said that in some newspaper articles that she had found um, this was what happened and personally we couldn't find those so I'm gonna move on to these Yelp reviews because I found them pretty notable uh, regarding the park it's more modern or more recent so, uh, Robert C., living in Silicon Valley, posted a three-star review back in 2016 that I felt was notable. So, he states, Never been to the park, but my friend and I as kids used to eat some of the grapes from the old Almaden winery. The, f the farmer would shoot rock salt at us. For some reason, oh I gosh. thought this property was... <laughs> I know... <laughs> For some reason, I thought this property was in Los Gatos. Were the lines of the town redrawn since I was a kid? The whole area has changed from the beauty of orchards and fields and low population to pavement houses and massive population. I guess they call this progress. And also, uh, another note. So if you're planning on going to this park just to look around and 
Um, just note that apparently there aren't any restrooms at the park, but there are a few flower bushes, so it's a nice place, uh, a gazebo, a couple of playgrounds for different age ranges, and a group of picnic tables. There's also a few places, like uh, preserved buildings, where they have some information regarding um, you know, what they were in the time that it was a winery. So go ahead and do your own history walk um, if you'd like, and maybe reach out to us if you see anything or feel anything spooky. So we believe this location may be haunted due to Sarah's email. Um, and this is some evidence too that it might be haunted. So uh, first of all, we have that uh, the owner that was trampled over by his own horses. He may roam the, the property. So Sarah did also mention actually that the wine cellar burned down and this we were able to confirm. Um, I found an article that said that the historic wine cellar burned down in June of 1989 after a cutting torch sparked a fire that destroyed the cellar and the old bottling warehouse. So uh, we couldn't find anything about anyone being hurt in the fire, thankfully. But um, if you're looking for like what the you know if you're looking for the original seller or anything like that, you won't find it, unfortunately. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, let us know if you go and walk by this park um, and feel any sort of energy or presence. That way, again, we'll have some more emails to read back to you guys. Okay. So Christina M wrote in about a house on North Capitol Avenue and Alone Drive. So this exact Location is at 1207 North Capitol Avenue, San Jose, California, 95132. So go ahead and look it up if you'd like. Um, so when I looked it up, I did uh, note a few things. So it does look a bit run down. And also there's, there's an older model gold car on the property, which is kind of suspicious, especially since, you know, we have a few other stories with, you know, kind of run down older looking cars so another notable thing is that there are a couple fruit trees on the property so <laughs> i saw that there is an orange tree and what might be a pomegranate tree but i couldn't zoom in close enough <laughs> on google earth and this is what i found on zillow property is a 5627 square foot five bedroom five bathroom house the property also has a barn that looks pretty old, along with a well and a gate which surrounds the property. Apparently the property was recently sold on October 24th of 2020 for about $2.43 million. Uh, so this is a quote directly from Zillow. Great development opportunity, nearly 1.5 acres, ideally situated next to light rail commercial property on one side and residential on the other. Zoned R1-8. Many possibilities. Current house, built in 2005, has a 5,627 square foot with five bedrooms, five baths, three car garage. Keep the house on a portion of the land and develop the rest, or develop all of it. This land was once part of a large orchard and some fruit trees remain may be possible to change zoning and build mixed-use development. Buyer to investigate options with the City of San Jose. Please note the property is being prepared for the market and cannot be seen at this time. Drive-by only. Barn damaged by fire. 
The property is fenced with a locked gate. Do not go on the site. Make offer subject to inspection. No sign at property. No inspection reports available. The value is primarily in the land. Well on the property. So after reading that, I looked at the barn again and I realized that you can see some of the barn is boarded up. And also the, the door of the barn is open and there's a lot of space inside, I feel. Um, it was like, you know, as it appears. I also just like, you know, I love looking at the San Jose like government website for stuff like this. I haven't been able to find any kind of construction or inspection on this property since 2005, according to the Planning, Building, and Code Enforcement website from the city of San Jose. Um, and uh, the description you just read is like so on point. Like, it's, uh, it just like looks so eerie. I honestly was so distracted by the barn. I didn't even realize the house. Yeah. Like the house looks so nice relative, you know, to the barn. It's like, you know, it looks fairly new. The light rail is directly in front of it. Like there's literally a light rail station directly in front of it. And then there's all these like modern-ish looking apartments right near it. And then there's just this really old barn with all this grass around it. And it definitely looks haunted. Like if we had to base it just on how it looks, 100%, like 100% on Rotten Ghost Tomatoes. But despite that, I also found a different news article from SFGate. Um, so it says, A structure fire was reported Monday morning on North Capitol Avenue in San Jose, fire officials said. The fire was reported at 6.56 a.m. at 1207 North Capitol Avenue. The fire department said southbound North Capitol Avenue is closed at Sierra Road as a result of the blaze. No other information about the fire was immediately available. So I'm a bit confused when this article came out, actually, because on my Google search, the article was dated on January 29th, 2021. But in the beginning of the article on the actual website, it says July, tw uh, July 27th and no year. Well, you should definitely check it out for yourself on Google Maps or in person. I guess you could always look at it from the street. But um, as you know, we haven't mentioned, I think, in a couple episodes, or at least it feels like it. But check out our map. We have a map um, at if you go on to the computer or your phone, tinyurl.com slash You can see a map of all the places we've ever talked about throughout all our podcast episodes. And it's starting to look pretty busy. So if you think you're safe... In a certain part of San Jose, from ghosts, chances are you're not. No, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I know. Kind of looking at the map, it's it is kind of. I just feel a little bit more wary of living in San Jose, guys. <laughs> it's like everything around you may or may not be haunted. But that, honestly, that's pretty And we're not even it. done. Oh my goodness, I know. We're definitely not done yet. The last story that we got emailed about comes from Sebastian N., who actually emailed us an old newspaper clipping uh, of when there was a UFO sighting here. UFO. And... Um, yeah, I, th I thought this was cool because we haven't covered aliens or anything like that yet. And I was really excited to receive this clipping. So thank you, Sebastian. Um, 
This is from a July 20th, 1985 edition of the Mercury News. And it was, uh, it was a sighting at Saddleback, which I guess is San Jose's, like, Western-themed dance hall. Um, I don't know if it's still around. Maybe it is. I think I've heard of it. But, uh, in any case, it just says, um, I'll just read it verbatim. The things that hovered over San Jose mysteriously appeared in a clear sky about midnight Saturday. People reported them to the Lick Observatory and a Seattle group that tracks unidentified flying objects. The control tower at San Jose International Airport received word of the sightings, but the tower shuts down at midnight and no air traffic controller noticed unusual radar blips, tower technician Chuck Quenin said. Several people described the object objects as about 30 globes, a bit bigger than stars, slowly drifting almost directly overhead. The lights shifted independently, forming various patterns. After about 20 minutes, the lights faded out one by one. When almost all of them were gone, according to a bearded saddle rack patron, one of the globes began dropping a, a tail of light. Jake Gwenther, a doorman at the nightclub on Osiris Avenue near Meridian Avenue, said, One of our customers came in and asked me if he was drunk because he had seen this thing in the sky and he didn't believe it. When I first looked up, it looked like a pattern of stars just like the Big Dipper, but they were moving, the doorman said. Still, Gwenther and Buchanan are skeptical about San Jose's UFOs. I just thought it was some kind of gimmick from one of the fairs. Anything can happen in California, said Gwenther, who believes the lights were a whole bunch of lit-up balloons. Buchanan said, I didn't think it was any kind of space creature. I don't believe in them myself. He suspects the lights were a flotilla, which I had to look up. I didn't know what that meant. It's like a collection of, like, craft, aircraft, or I think sea craft. Um, he suspects the lights were a flotilla of about 40 hot air balloons, carrying people in gondolas about two or three miles uh, in the air. It was a fascinating sight to watch, Buchanan said. At one point, the lights came together almost like they were pulling everyone in to have a little meeting, he said. Then they flew apart like an exploding skyrocket. At Lick Observatory on Mount Hamilton, Canadian astronomer Peter Dawson said he received a call from a woman who said that she and her friends had seen about 20 luminous objects flying in some sort of pattern. She sounded like a very reasonable, intelligent person, and she herself was rather skeptical about the phenomenon, he added. But Dawson said he and two other astronomers saw nothing out of the ordinary, even though they had went outside the domed observatory several times to monitor clouds drifting in from the direction of the sightings. The National UFO Reporting Center in Seattle received reports of a group of objects giving off an orangish glow over San Jose. They said that one of the objects started giving off fiery drippings, said Bob Gribble, a spokesman for the private UFO watch group. What could explain the puzzling apparition? That's an old trick, Gribble said matter-of-factly. We've had hundreds of cases like it around the country. The San Jose sighting almost perfectly fits the inflated plastic bag phenomenon that we have so many problems with all over the country, he said. A favorite of pranksters, the UFO, in quotes, is created by placing a cardboard rack lined with birthday candles inside a plastic dry cleaning bag. The exploding hot air lifts the bag, much like a hot air balloon, and the flames give off an orange-yellow glow visible for miles. We've had as many as ten attached to a tether line set off in the sky, he said, attempting to explain how the San Jose lights formed patterns and came together. As for the tail of light, he said, quite often the candles will set fire to a portion of the plastic bag itself, and that'll give you that fire-dripping effect. 
but some of those who had seen the UFOs disagreed with Gribble's theory, pointing out that it didn't really explain the number or patterns or movement of Saturday Night's lights in the sky at all. So, that was the article. Uh, I just thought that was cool. I don't think I've really heard of many UFO sightings here, but um, thank you, Sebastian, for sending that in. And it made me curious. I started looking into more UFO sightings, and there have been a number around the Bay Area, as you can imagine. But I found this really cool article from the Mercury News that listed a couple of UFO sightings that were investigated by the Air Force. Um, but these are all pre-2000, so they're a little bit older. Um, but I still thought they were worth mentioning. So the first one was in December. It was December 6, 1962, and a teenager from San Mateo wrote a letter to the Air Force where he described a 100-foot-wide flying saucer with an inner circle and outer ring that seemed to travel up to 2,000 miles an hour. 2,000? Yeah, 2,000 miles an hour. I don't even know how you could try to clock that. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. But... Like, I, I understand if you can clock something at, like, 50, 80, but, like, 2,000? How do you even see anyway. it? I don't know how fast 2,000 miles an hour is, so really fast <laughs> wait what is the speed of sound is it breaking the sound barrier okay that's that's almost three times the speed of sound oh no so, then how yeah mm -mm. maybe so 200 miles per hour <laughs> yeah you would literally see it way before hearing it if it like made noise but he finished his report by writing a lot of people think I'm batty, but I don't care because I really did see it. I think it came from Venus. I'm very interested in science too, since I'm not a crackpot. <laughs> you know when people... <laughs> you know when people, like, add stuff to make themselves seem more, um, qualified? <laughs> like the unnecessary details? <laughs> exactly. But you know what? I hope that team got into NASA, <laughs> you know, or like, you know, maybe just got into like, uh, astronomy. Yeah, I didn't say who it was, so I couldn't look them up, but kudos to you, kid. Next, we have a report from September 5th, 1964. There was a hunter in Orangevale, which is kind of in the Sacramento area, or he was from there. And again, I didn't name him, so I couldn't look him up. But apparently, he was traveling on Emigrant Gap, which is kind of on the way to Lake Tahoe, so in like that area. And he apparently claimed to see a bright light in a ridge below him. And according, you know, I'm just reading what the report said. Apparently, he saw two aliens in the gap below, as reported by Victor Killick, who was the former operator of Sacramento City College's observatory who then forwarded the story to the Air Force. The aliens were reportedly wearing silver suits and they didn't really have necks and they had protruding eyes. And then instead of speaking or like making speech-like sounds, they just cooed. I want to describe the face that I'm making for the people because I am so disturbed by aliens. You're making a look that... It looks like you're begging your parents to not make you eat your pretzel sprouts. That's how I would describe it. <laughs> 
That's a good way of putting it. But oh my goodness. Well, I do like Brussels sprouts, but I don't like aliens. I'm horribly terrified by aliens. Well, there wasn't just two. A third alien came no. out, Mm-mm. which the hunter described as a robot, what? to which he fired an arrow. <laughs> He also set his own clothes on fire to try to signal for help, but this made the aliens react violently, start emitting vapor. Yeah, the aliens started emitting vapor, and then the hunter blacked out. (laughs) Was was he vaping before it was cool? I don't know. Who hurt him? Oh my god. In the end, the Air Force attributed this encounter to, quote, psychological causes, saying it could have been an owl coupled with an overactive imagination. Oh, but actually, though, because apparently a lot of people mistake aliens or like owls for aliens for some reason. Wasn't there a movie about that? A movie and maybe... Like a story. I mean, I read it somewhere because, because okay, think about the um, the description without a neck, which owls like barn owls. Have you seen a barn owl? Oh yeah. Barn owls. Barn owls are actually my favorite type of owl. But like anyway, they they have like a huge round face and they're pretty big. Um, and then also like the glowing eyes, which would well, I mean. If they're protruding, that wouldn't make much sense. But if they're making cooing noises, you know, it's, maybe it's a bird. Oh, that makes so much sense. Okay, but the robot? I, I don't know. Okay, this, this is like on par with the whole conspiracy theory that birds don't exist anymore and they're all just robots. Oh my gosh, stop. <laughs> Hashtag birds aren't real. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm still scared of that story. It's still freaky. Like, I, I just, honestly, I really don't like the idea of aliens. Of everything, you know, ghosts, ghouls, goblins, of everything, I think aliens do scare me the most. What are your feelings about aliens? True. They do get, like, freaked out, just, like, the possibility that they exist. Because, like, we have... If they do exist, we the have no idea how much... Like, the possibility is pretty big when you really think about it. And then at this... Like, we have no idea how they function biologically. Or, like, how much more technologically advanced they are than us. Like, no idea. The possibility is... Yeah, like you said. I honestly think aliens do exist. I, I'm... I'm on board with the theory that aliens do exist, but they know that we're, like, a horrible race of people. (laughs) So they don't want to interact with us for that reason. I don't know if you know this, Carmen, but um, the Navy recently released, like, UFO footage. Yes, I did see that. Wait, was that, like, where the guy who's, like, oh, sh**, what's that? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of every UFO video, but yeah. Okay, true, but... Yeah, you should look it up for yourself if you're interested, listener. But um, it was wild because... I mean, it was really recent, but it was wild because, like, um, it was the first time they were, like, legit, like, yeah, we don't know what this is. That's so scary. Oh, gosh. I, I do not like watching that, that footage because, you know, either they're there and... 
they're just watching us like some sort of social experiment or you know I mean it would be probably a good one <laughs> as a, from a behavioral analysis perspective <laughs> but well I have still more stories for you oh gosh so. okay let's get let's <laughs> yeah, get them get over ready. with I'm so scared so there was another letter but this one was written to then-president JFK, written by Alice Reynolds from San Mateo, and she wrote about an encounter she had in 1961. She writes, quote, Dear Mr. President, I know you're a busy man, but I am a citizen of this good old USA. Just by accident, I went out to feed the birds some bread. We do this twice a day. I looked up into the sky and saw this strange object. I watched it for some time. And then she describes seeing two stationary white balls, one with a tail in the sky. Uh, and she complained that she tried to contact the Civil Defense Control Center in Belmont, but they weren't open. So she then called the police. And then she wrote, quote, They were more curious as to why I was up at that time than what I had called about. And then she also fretted. <laughs> then she also like complained that the police report made it into the newspaper and um so she didn't actually send it sorry i misspoke she didn't send it to president j or no she did um she did send it to jfk but it was like indirect it was actually forwarded from uh the air force who mailed the letter um who then <laughs> it was sent to jfk by the air force who also mailed Alice Reynolds back a UFO questionnaire, which I didn't know was a thing. Um, and Air Force investigators stopped their probe due to, quote, insufficient data because they said it was probably just a weather balloon or a mirage. Um, but I feel like mirage doesn't make sense because apparently this was written in November, so like it wasn't even hot. And mirages are more likely when it's hot. Okay, weather balloon does make sense. I was also thinking maybe um, a blimp. I mean, it could have been anything, but... Okay, wait. Um, UFO questionnaire. What does that entail? <laughs> Are you looking it up? Y yeah. Experiencers survey. Hmm. UFO sighting questionnaire. From 1952... Oh my gosh. Okay, so when was when did she send this letter? 1961. Okay, so it seems legit. Um, confidential U.S. Air Force technical information sheet. This questionnaire has been prepared so that you can give the U.S. Air Force as much information as possible concerning the un unidentified aerial phenomenon that you have observed. Please try to answer as many questions as you possibly can. The information that you give will be used for research purposes and will be regarded as confidential material. Your name will not be used in connection with any statements, conclusions, or publications without your permission. We, we, request, we request this personal information so that if it is deemed necessary, we may contact you for further details. Okay, when did you see the object? Day, month, year. Time of day, hour, minutes, a.m. or p.m. Time zone. Where were you when you saw the object? Nearest postal address, city, state? 
estimate of how long you saw the object. Uh, circle one of the following to indicate how certain you are of your answer to question five. Certain, <laughs> fairly certain, not very sure, just a guess. Um, what was the condition of the sky? Bright daylight, dull daylight, bright twilight, just a, trans or just a trace of daylight, no trace of daylight, don't remember. If you saw the object during daylight, twilight, or dawn, where was the sun located as you looked at the object? And then uh, it says, if you saw the object at night, um, did you notice concerning the stars or moon, how many stars or how... <laughs> How much moonlight did you see? Uh, was the object... How long is this? Oh, it's only three pages. Um, so there's 20... There's 20... Or there's 19 questions. Um, but this one... Is relatively interesting. It says, did the object... A. Appear to stand still at any time. B. Suddenly speed up and rush away at any time. C. Break up into parts or explode. D. Give off smoke. E. Change brightness. F. Change shape. J. Flicker, throb, or pulsate. It also says something about like maybe it was covered by a cloud. It also it says... Uh, did you observe the object through any of the following? Eyeglasses, sunglasses, windshield, window glass, binoculars, telescope. What's a theodolite? No idea. Uh, asks for the description of the sound and the color. It says to draw a picture and any details. Oh, a theodolite is like, it's like a, kind of like a protractor, but for like, Real life. Okay. <laughs> Who just has one laying around? Surveyors. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just so funny because like two of the questions ask you to draw a picture. It's honestly kind of like a like a school exam. I'm <laughs> saying <laughs> this sounds like some kind of school. It's like a benchmark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> draw a picture of it. Well. Anyway. Um. So that was that. <laughs> there was... Alright, I still have a, two or three more stories. I still have three more stories for you. No, four. Okay. <laughs> on August 1st, 1849... Sorry. On August 1st, 1949, as the fishing charter chugged back into the bay underneath the Golden Gate Bridge... The men aboard looked towards Alcatraz and saw silver objects in formation traveling faster than aircraft. I don't know how fast air aircraft went at this time, but okay. Anyway, the Air Force interviewed the fishing trip members and had them sketch what they saw. And the investigator said that he checked with the criminal and subversive files of San Francisco and Oakland police departments and the FBI about all the reporting people and um, a sales clerk was found to be quote rather excitable and as having a tendency to exaggerate but honest and trustworthy but again racism wins oh the day gosh. with the scariest part of the podcast seriously and the interviews the interviewers that um, 
interviewed a reverend from Oakland's, called him, quote, in the report, they called him, quote, colored. And they also considered him a, quote, religious fanatic and unreliable. He said that the reverend's wife was considered a, quote, prophetess and that he lived in, quote, extremely low class colored neighborhood. Um, What the heck? It's so, like, it, it's just straight up racist. It's, like, not even relevant. It, they're just like, oh, he's poor. He's making it up. And he's colored, so he must be lying. Like, Oh, my God. Uh, Anybody who is... romanticizes the 50s, like, why would you do so? Especially if you're any, like, sort of tan. <laughs> like, you know? <sighs> any sort well, of minority that... Oh, God. Yeah. Um... Ultimately, the Air Force determined that they had seen radar testing kites. I didn't know that that was a thing. Mm. Um, But these kites were released from Treasure Island and Fort Baker twice a day. So, who knows? Okay, if they're released twice a day, wouldn't you think that these people have seen them and or experienced them before? So it wouldn't be something notable? Or like that there was a record of when they were being flown. Right? So, sounds fake. Sounds like an excuse. I don't know. (sighs) Next, we have a report from February 7th, 1950. Um, A bunch of people from Berkeley all (laughs) the way down to San Jose. So, basically, like, the whole eastern half of the Bay Area plus San Jose claimed they saw a, quote, flying ice cream cone in the sky. (laughs) (laughs) There was one article that described the Air Force personnel as, quote, baffled about the matter. And uh, the San Jose Evening News Associated Press wrote an article about that said, quote, intelligence officers of the Western Air Defense Zone are checking on reports of a flying ice cream cone. <laughs> they didn't seem excited about it. What? End quote. <laughs> well, apparently the whole cone was flying and... The pointy part wasn't, like, a trail, because apparently the whole thing seemed to have a vapor trail. And one man in San Jose described it as a single-engine plane with a reddish vapor trail. And the Air Force did actually eventually conclude that it was a plane. So. There was that. (laughs) I'm glad it was a plane. I am actually very relieved that it's a plane, because... (laughs) Flying ice cream cone does sound suspicious. (laughs) The next one's a little bit interesting because there's video footage. So on November 2nd, 1964, an amateur astronomer in Redwood City was driving down 101 when he saw an object the size of a half dollar with orange and white lights rotating. And he even sent a video of it to the Air Force, but they replied that they found a, quote, film flaw, duplicating flaw, or chip in the emulsion. So basically, they called it fake. Um, oh, okay. That's all I was able to find on the matter. They quickly dismissed it, so I don't know. <laughs> this last one is really recent compared to the other ones. So this is from December 20th, 2018. oh People throughout Northern California and even as far away as Oregon saw a mysterious light that bounced around in jagged lines in the sky. It was actually reported to the Lick Observatory here in San Jose, and they ruled it to just be a meteor. Do meteors zigzag like that? You know, 
I don't believe they do, but that's what it was officially ruled as, so I don't know. Cover up! Cover up! <laughs> Meteors aren't real. Meteors? <laughs> oh no. Oh god, this is so scary. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay, can we go back? to the original story that you were talking about, like the news article. So, you know, drones exist now, and we truly don't know how long drones have been around, but like, at first, it kind of gives us that idea that it could have been a bunch of drones, and like maybe the government just kind of covered it up, and they're like, oh, this is technology that plebs aren't supposed to know about yet. That could be true. I mean, planes have existed for a while, and remote control con- remote control technology has been around for a bit i mean not that like you know bluetooth and wi-fi level but um i guess it, there's some plausibility to it i don't know i'm not a tech person i need an engineer we need a, we need to have an engineer on the line if you're an engineer in san jose which there's like a million of you <laughs> True that. dm us dm us so we can have you on the air and ask you questions about flying technology (laughs) flying objects and then also because the you know like the paper lanterns where you can like just let them float up into the sky i mean that sounds legitimate i gotta see it with my own eyes did i tell you about the time that i think i saw something weird in the sky what no okay honestly it, it could have been a meteor but like and i'm not really one to like look at uh, look up at the sky that often simply because like i said i just really am scared of aliens and i just never want to see it i like the sky at my grandma's house because you know you can see all the stars but anyway i was in arizona when this happened so um but yeah i was out walking my dog aubrey and i was like on the phone with somebody and then i was like looking up at the sky and i saw this like um like a white kind of orb and then it just kind of stayed in one place for like a minute or so and then it just disappeared and then I have no idea what that was about and I at that time I lived next to um, I did live next to an airport like a really really small airport uh, where people like can go for classes and just um uh, fly their own private planes so I, I, I'm used to seeing those around but I've never seen something like that so small so I'm really hoping that it was a drone but it didn't have like the blinking light and if it were that small it would have been a lot or like yeah if it were that small I feel like it still would have been relatively close because when the drones personal drones have lights you can see them but yeah that one was pretty far up in the sky and Ever since then, I mean, like, and all my rest of my life, I've never thought of anything that compelling um, enough to tell somebody, but this one was kind of, it was weird. Wow. I'm hoping it was just a meteor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, lastly, we have a few stories, just really small things. Um that we wanted to cover so uh, this comes from a listener named anthony y 
Um, he says, I actually have a weird story about Quimby Road. Yeah, so about a year ago, I was with my friend, Adam. We had called off of work and were just chilling the whole night. After eating, we decided to go up Mount Hamilton to check out the view. So I drive all the way up Quimby, and when we go to the middle of nowhere, we saw a person jogging up the road wearing all black without a flashlight or anything, going upwards. And when I looked at the, my rearview mirror, we couldn't see him anymore. It was crazy considering it, uh, where it was and there were no houses at all. And the person didn't even have a flashlight and it's pitch black up in that area. We've been to Agnew's Road, Marsh Road, San Felipe Road, the whole package. So I'm pretty sure you meant to be like, yeah, we've been to all those places and nothing weird happened at all except for this place, Quimby Road. So there's a listener story. I also had a Facebook comment from Veronica G who said, I worked at a hair salon on the Alameda in the old Bank of Italy building, later becoming the Bank of America building, and there was a man that haunted that building. A co-worker's daughter saw him in the upstairs office. A couple different clients told us the story of him being shot. Also, Ghost Hunters did an investigation and recorded voices in the basement, which was super creepy. I wasn't able to confirm the Ghost Hunters thing, but if they have been to that building, I feel like it makes sense, because the Bank of America building is really old, and on a... On the Rotten Ghost Tomato scale, I give it like a 80%. Okay. Looks pretty spooky, but I don't know. I'm just used to seeing it in the skyline, so maybe I'm kind of like desensitized to it a little bit. <laughs> um, and lastly, we got DM'd these pictures from a listener named Olga that they took themselves from the St. Leo the Great School. And... I thought it was cool because... So the reason why Olga sent them over is because a bunch of them ended up having orbs, which is, like, really spooky. What? No um, Thankfully, I asked Olga, and Olga said that we can post it on our Instagram. So we'll yes. be posting it there if you want to check it out. One of the photos um, we were allowed to post. You can't see any of the kids' faces in them or anything, um, but there is a huge, obvious orb. You will not miss it. Um, and it's even scarier because the backstory of this picture is that the student that has the orb in front of her, her mother died two weeks before graduation. And Olga says, quote, I suspect her mother made herself present. Ooh, I just got so many chills. <laughs> Ooh, ooh-wee, that was yeah, scary. That was wild so again if you want to check out this kind of bonus content you'll have to follow us on instagram at san Jose podcast that's where we post uh bonus clips like this sometimes memes and of course every week on fridays when we release a new episode we also post our verdict which is where you can vote whether or not you think that that topic of the week is haunted or or if the story is true so be sure to let us know you be sure to let us know your thoughts Send us your stories, DM us your pics, um, give us any leads as to other haunted places or spooky things you might know about, and uh, be sure to tell a friend or two about our podcast, because it really helps us go a long way in growing the San Jose fan base. Let's go. Okay. Lastly, Carmen, I think you had a special extra birthday surprise for our listeners. I got a sneak peep for y'all. Um, so... 
Listeners, we've got a very special episode in the works, and we are asking you to send in your stories about Hicks Road. What? What road? No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Who, what, yes, where, when, I know. If if I had a dollar for every time someone said we should do Hicks Road. Oh my gosh. It, I could it, buy Hicks Road. It feels so scandalous even saying the word Hicks Road. <laughs> I will say this is definitely going to be our longest and most special episode. We're not even done yet. And we already have like a ridiculous amount of notes in our document that we have all our like podcast notes in. Oh yeah. So be on the lookout for that. But we need your help getting all the spooky stories. If you've been there, if your friend's been there, um, you know, if any family members have been there or whatever, anything you know about Hicks Road, we want to know. So please email us, santhonse at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at Santhonse Podcast or find me on Facebook and DM me. I don't care. <laughs> like, I want to know your stories. We just, we really want to know more about this topic and any and all information is helpful. So exactly. Please help us out. We want to hear your scary stories. We want to know how you relate to the story. Um, anything, send it in because we'll definitely read it. So just for our listeners context, we've actually been researching Hicks Road like since before we even started airing, uh, San Jose. It was actually the first topic we were looking into, and then I was like, no, maybe we should save it up. And so ever since then, we've been slowly and surely adding to like the Hicks Road page <laughs> of our of our uh, document. And at this point, it's becoming a book. So honestly, it might be a multi-part episode. But again, we really need your help. And the best, some, I mean, even if you can't, um, even if you don't have any stories. Um, or you don't know anyone that's been there, you can also help us by just telling a friend or two about our podcast and helping us grow um, our listenership and maybe also telling them to follow us on Instagram so that we can, um, you know, make the big announcement when the episode drops. Because believe us, it's going to be... It's going to be big. (laughs) I can already tell. I'm honestly guessing it's going to be at least two hours long at this point. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I know, it's gonna be so... Oh, Okay, it just... Random celebratory noises. <laughs> <laughs> okay, happy birthday again to us. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, Manny, it's that time of night. You want to play some Dead by Daylight? Yes. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's go for it. Okay, stay spooky, San Jose.